Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Explode Your Expert Business Show brought to you by gtex.org.uk. I'm your host, Simone Vincenzi, and this is the podcast for experts who want to become the ultimate authority in their niche while making an impact in the world. And today is episode 274, Powerful Presenting for Leaders with David Thomas. This episode is incredible in particular if you want to build your speaking skills, so make sure you stay until the end. Now, before I tell you a bit more about what we are going to cover here in this episode, let me tell you something. Now, remember, the more you are known and the faster you will grow your business. And one of the best ways to get known in your field and build your profile is to get featured on media publications. But finding the right publications, you know, can take ages. And also, how do you connect with journalists and podcasters in the right way? How do you follow up to get the most of every feature that you get? Uh, this is why my team and I have spent an entire month and more than £2,000 consolidating four years of data on global publications that are looking for contributors. And we have created the Ultimate Publicity Bundle, where you will get access to a curated database of more than 500 media publications that are looking for speakers, more than 100 podcasts that are looking for guests, my templates on how to connect with journalists, and my follow-up framework to maximize every single speaking opportunity that you have. And you get all of this for $29.99. Uh, that's just for a limited period of time, so make sure that you get it straight away. So you can find the link um, below in the show notes, uh, and if you visit... Uh, um, uh, the link which is bit.ly forward slash publicity bundle podcast. But if you scroll down, that's the easiest way and you can get it there. Now, back to the show. As I said, today I have the pleasure to interview David Thomas. David is a CEO, presentation skill coach, Guinness record breaker, Sunday Times number one best-selling author and international media personality, even appearing on the Oprah Winfrey show. In this episode of our show, we will share strategies and tips how to make you more successful tomorrow than you were yesterday and how to become an incredible presenter. Uh, in the, the some of the things that we're going to talk about is how David started his speaking business. Um, we're going to talk about powerful strategies to become an excellent communicator and also how to create a speech that captures the audience every single time. Um, you cannot miss this. If you want to read the transcript of the interview, get all the bonus resources then visit gtex.org.uk forward slash 274 and there you will find the link as well to the um, uh, resource that David shared throughout the show. Now is uh, time for you to enjoy the um, this episode. Um, make sure to let us know if you have any question or uh, if you have any request for the show, send me an email. The email is in the show notes and now it's time to get started with episode 274 powerful presenting for leaders with david thomas hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of explode your expert business show today i'm here with the one and only david thomas how you doing david i'm good mate yes thank you 
All right, so we talked about, uh, um, uh, we are right now at the moment of the recording of this episode, we are in isolation, we are here in lockdown. So we talked before while we were preparing for the interview about the experience. And what I would love to ask you is, um, what is one thing that you've learned about yourself during this lockdown period? Well, I think the number one thing I've learned is the value of a live experience. It is astonishing how just that invisible wall of the computer creates a, a metaphoric, but there is a physical dif- distance, but also a metaphorical distance between you and them. And, and I found it interesting how people disengage more. So you have to work quite hard when you're presenting remotely to get people really focused, really interested, and, and keep the energy levels high. And, and the other thing is that people don't always tell their face. They can be having a great time, but they're sitting there going, mm. and then you're going, are you having a good time? It's fantastic. Well, tell your face, mate. <laughs> tell your face. Let's all have a bit of fun. But when you're speaking to a live audience, if one person laughs, it has a ripple, it brings everybody else in. And I'm finding it interesting that the dynamics are so different mm. as you would expect them to be, but even I didn't think they would be this big. You can present effectively, remotely. Absolutely you can. But the experience is vastly different what have you found to be the the main difference uh, or things that you had to do different uh, online compared to when you're having a, a gig where they can see you in person the number one thing is that i've learned that what you do is you set your stall out in other words what you do is you decide how you're going to speak and you just go for it for the half an hour hmm. whereas in a room i could turn it on a 10 pence piece if I see that something's not quite working, I can, I can smell the mood of a room when I walk into it. 25 years on my feet, a million people like yourself. You can feel it, you can smell it, you can see mm-hmm. it. You say, a, you say a line, last week it worked really well, this work it didn't, you change. You can't mm-hmm. do that online. You've got to just decide what you're going to say and just go for it. And so I did a keynote the other day. I didn't even have any pictures of the guys or ladies who were on, on, on the call. <laughs> It was just a webinar. It was just me talking to camera. So I'm like, yeah. boom, 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 boom. And just cracked on. The other thing I've learned as well is don't do the Q&A until the end. Sometimes people, they, they, put, they have chat boxes up. <laughs> you what? Chat boxes, they are incredible. People will put in something and they go, oh, what does he mean when he says this? And other people start going, oh, well, he means that. And he goes, no, he doesn't. He means this. People start having arguments in the chat box. Well, you're trying to present. Don't do it. Allow people to send questions, but just wait till the end. But don't uh, have it live. It turns into it's live. <laughs> it just turns into this. That's that's so true. Violent I, trouble. I, I remember I, I did my first uh, webinar about four and a half years ago, and uh, when I did the first one, first of all, it made it was so weird because it felt um, um, I was just talking to myself. And, you know, I love talking to myself, but uh, I talk to myself quite often. Just don't let, don't, don't let the police know because they might come to take me. But um, after a while, it's, it's hard work to keep the energy up. In particular, maybe you're doing a 60 minutes or a 90 minutes presentation and keep the energy and the level of engagement up is way more work. And, and you mentioned something about the chat box. I remember this, this training I was running and uh, I got sucked. I've made the rookie mistake. I got sucked into the chat box, which means that I started- You can't help but read it. You can't help but read it. 
you can't help it. And I got started and I started justifying myself and I started answering questions. And then I see people started saying, oh, what are you having for dinner? And I'm like, what? This is not what we are talking about. So sometimes it, it takes a work just to filter it out. I say, okay, there is an old word going on there. So what you do is you start looking, <laughs> you start like this and then people can see you and all of a sudden your eyes go like this, your eyes go. Like that. You're trying to talk here and you're reading stuff and you go, yeah, this is really good stuff. Da, 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 da. And you go, oh, da, da. right. And you can, people can see you reading the chat box as well. Uh, uh, David, oh. you had an incredible and you're still having an incredible speaking career, uh, speaking all over the world, uh, more than a hundred speaking gigs every year, um, going into major media, I mean, major media appearances, uh, uh, like being on Oprah. Um, what I would love to know from you is uh, why did you start your business as a speaker? What was your motivation behind it when you started? Well, it was no personal motivation. I used to be a firefighter and I was a firefighter because I never went to college or university and I had no qualifications. You didn't need any to become a firefighter. And while I was in the fire service, I sat my promotion exams. I kept failing them. And I sat with an officer and he said, you're never going to pass. I'm like, fine. Happy days. I don't care. I'm happy being a firefighter. Didn't care about money or promotion or getting, getting power. I wasn't interested. I loved being a firefighter. But then one day I'm watching TV and I saw a guy memorize a pack of playing cards and I was like, that is amazing. So I bought this book and taught myself how to do it. And eight months later, I went to the World Memory Championships and came forth in eight wow. months. And before hand, I couldn't remember 13 things on a fire extinguisher. At the competition, I could remember 1,300 digits in an hour backwards. And wow. I went back to work, and the boss pulls me in, and he goes, what's all this memory shit? <laughs> and I was like, well, boss, I bought this book, went to London, came forth, happy days, and he said, can you teach me? I said, yes, I can. And basically, I started teaching in the fire service. He said, you should teach this. And I went, oh, I don't really want to teach. I didn't really like the idea of being a speaker. I'm an introvert. I walk into a room, I sit at the back which is a weird thing to say as a speaker, but I'll sit and stand at the back of the room and just watch it all unfold. I don't, I'm happy to be center of attention to present, but aside from that, I'm not interested. Yeah. And the idea of being up with everybody looking at me and judging me and then giving me a mark out of 10 at the end or whatever <laughs> didn't really appeal. But what I found was the value of what I taught was very high and it had this instant impact on people. People were going, I can't believe I can do that. And I'd go, it's amazing. And they were going, it's amazing. I wouldn't go, yeah, I know it's amazing. And what I realized fairly quickly is that becoming a speaker was a phenomenal way to be able to share what you have. Of course, there are other ways, writing a book or whatever. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. I bought a book. But to be in the room and share your experience, having become one of the best memorizers ever in history in the space of two years, mm -hmm. was quite a thing. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine that. And um, how was how long did it take you to adjust to this new life and to this new business? Um, before you you made it work, before you you made a full transition from uh, uh, being a firefighter. Years. I was four years being a firefighter before I left. So I started speaking in early '97, mm -hmm. and. I ran it and I did it 97, 98, 99. I was talking in the fire service. And then back in the day, I sat there and I thought, maybe people would be interested in this commercially. So it got to the end of 1998. I've been speaking for 18 months. I had no computer. I didn't have the internet. And I went down to the library, got a book. 
it listed all the FTSE 500 companies and I got all the ones that were in West Yorkshire and phoned them up like Asda and Morrison's and so on. Mm-hmm. And I just said, would you like a memory guide to come in and teach you some stuff? And they went, why would we want that? And I went, that is a great question. <laughs> and I, don't have no, I have no answer. And they went like, we'll get off the phone then. I'm like, okay. So I just kept on phoning because nobody told me when to stop phoning. I had nothing else to do. I was only working two days a week during the day yeah. as a firefighter. I had time. I was like lockdown. I was, I'd love the time. <laughs> so I just kept on phoning. And then eventually a jacuzzi manufacturer in Bradford said, come and see me. So I went to see him and he said, I'm going to try you for a day to teach my staff. I went a thousand quid. And he went, okay, I'll book you. And I was like, oh, I just made a thousand quid. Because I was only earning a thousand quid a month as a firefighter. And so all of a sudden then, it was one of those moments where you go, I love being a firefighter. I've loved it for 10 years, but I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I want to go over there and do that. So I left in December 99. I ran a company in 2000 with with a memory guy who was a multimillionaire and his boss, who was a billionaire. It Mm -hmm. was shocking. We had the dot-com crash in 2000. It all fell apart. Got to the end of 2000. I was due to go back to the fire service. I took a year out and I just said, I don't want to go back. And I set off on my own and the last 20 odd years have just been me banging it out. 24 <laughs> countries and a lot of people. Wow. Uh, what, what a, I mean, uh, we can all learn here the, the, this element of sheer determination and focus in, in making something happen and creating something new. And the fact of not taking no for an answer, you know, you, you, you got to go in, you got to go in, you got to call, you got to create those opportunities uh, if, because most of the time, they're not just coming if, you, if you're waiting. Um, I, I want to ask you now uh, one question. Did, it was a moment where you had like a, um, a, a moment that represented like a breakthrough in your speaking career. So, for example, I remember that uh, um, for me it was uh, when I did an event with Les Brown. Uh, before the year before, literally, we're making probably about like £20,000 a year in our company. We went in uh, literally six, seven months after that event from 20,000 to 120,000 to then, and then growing from there. Um, and that represented the moment for me in my career where people started kind of taking me seriously. And it's not that I, I was silently overnight better than I was the day before. Um, but it was that moment where the, that kind of credibility or the work that I've been putting in the past years, the past five years, then got recognized there. Was there something, a moment like this for you in your speaking career? For me, there was, there was one event in December 1998. So a good friend of mine now was running events every month. And he lived in Leeds. And I got to know him in, during, during 1998. And he said to me, do you want to speak at my big conference at the end of the year? Not going to pay you, but it's a big crowd, 200 people. Royal Armour is in Leeds. It's a theatre at the full, 200 seats, full-size stage, 20-foot screen. And I was like, God, yeah. What? Yeah. Right. And he was like, okay, I'll put you on. I'll give you an hour after lunch. I'm like, happy days. And I didn't quite realize the difference between having 10 people in a room for a day as a training session and doing a two, doing like a 60-minute keynote in front of 200 people. Mm-hmm. And I got so excited. And back in the day, what we used to do was come out to music, right? So I had a piece of music, which was too unlimited, which was no, 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 there's no limit, right? 
because it's no limit to the brain. No, yeah. That's what I mean. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to come on, do a bit of dad dancing, and then start, and hopefully it would get a bit of a laugh. I came on, I saw 400 eyeballs looking at me, and I froze. And I was like, out, out of dance, with, out of tune with the music. No, no. And then when it stopped, I was like, like that. And it just, and it went downhill from there. Oh, it was mm -hmm. shocking. And I, and I went off, it was like, get him off, go on. But what I did do is get all the feedback forms. Some people gave me three out of 20. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I got 75 feedback forms and I phoned up every single one. And what I did was I just phoned them up and said, you went to a conference last week and I went, yeah. And I went, I was one of the speakers. He went, don't remember who you are. I'm the guy in the afternoon wearing the orange shirt and the orange waistcoat. Yeah. And he go, you filled in the feedback form and they're going, oh. And I went, and you gave me a really low number. You gave me like six out of 20. And they start then going, I'm really uh, sorry. That, and, I went, yeah. no. and I went, don't apologize. I'm not here to complain about the number. Hmm. All I want to know from you is what did I do wrong and what should I change? And they told me that 75 people changed my life in the space of three or four days on the phone. Because mm -hmm. he said, that was boring. This was good. More of this, less of that. And once you start getting the themes and the feedback, then 1999, mm -hmm. I just went forward with more purpose. And that's what happened. Wow. So for me, there have yeah. been seminal talks. There have been amazing talks where you just sit and go, this is what I was born to do, or this is a great day. But actually, the negative side of, of being there the, the negative element of that particular talk is what, is, what, is what dragged me through. And, you know, because the thing is that once I'd got a taste of it, for me, there's only two options. You know, for me, there was no third, fourth, or fifth option. I either stayed a firefighter and never get promoted or I became a full-time professional speaker. And so I think what is interesting for me is that I went through the grind mm -hmm. because I had no choice. I didn't have any qualifications. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't think about I might become a YouTuber. I didn't think, you know, when I sit and talk to kids in schools and they go, don't need any qualifications, mate. I'm going to become a YouTuber. And I go, you, my friend, you are an idiot. And they go, a bit rude. And I'm like, seriously, how many YouTubers do you know? I know PewDiePie. Yeah. Anymore? I'm like, do you know how many people play games? In fact, I tell you what, we, 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 we because of the coronavirus, we, we go on with this place on this website called Worldometer. Mm -hmm. and it has all these running totals yesterday just yesterday at, by four o'clock in the afternoon they they'd sold 208 million dollars worth of games just yesterday <laughs> by four a, a lot a lot of people are buying games um, i know my brother is one of is, them <laughs> but the thing is i sit there and i talk to a kid in a yeah. school in, in othersfield yeah. and he goes i'm gonna be a youtuber and i go do you know the numbers dude yeah. Do you not realize the numbers? What are the chances? Like, I keep going at it. No. Have a go. Have a go, mate. Just have a go. But if you do it for a year and it's not working out, do something else. Just, you know. But for me, back in the day, I only had two choices. Firefighter, become a speaker. And speaking had all the glamour. And I loved it. I loved meeting mm -hmm. people. I did like the travel. It's not always been great travel. But I love, I've spoken in 24 countries. I don't think there's any greater way to enjoy a country, actually, than as a speaker. Yeah. You see things you don't see when you even go on holiday. You get treated differently. You get different, you know, you go into people's homes. It's quite a thing. It is. I, I, I'm, I totally can relate with that. And so now you, you teach a lot of people as well uh, um, 
how to become great presenters. You work with leaders, teaching them how to become great presenters. Uh, what are some of the things that you teach to your clients, the people that are working with you that can make them stand out? Well, the most important thing is just don't be boring. You know, I stand in front of a chief exec or a management team and I go, how many presentations have you ever seen? And they go, hundreds. And I go, give me a top five. And they have to really struggle. So I said, remember one that was exciting, that was really passionate, that was fun, that was interesting, that really came out of, you know, the, the rest of them, mm. that you, like an exorcist out of the wall, bang, and hit you between the eyes. You went, this is amazing. How many times have you actually heard that? And they really, really struggle. Yeah. Because what people do, even, even really powerful chief execs who are used to being uncomfortable and stepping out of the comfort zone and driving their companies forward, they still fall back in a safe world. And all that does is make them beige, vanilla, and boring. So mm -hmm. two years ago, I was working with a hedge fund in Manchester, and they sent me two videos of them speaking. And I turned up, and there was only one guy who booked me. The other three weren't happy at all that I was there. And so they hardly shook my hand. But it just kind of looked at me. And, like, and I had two days with these guys running together. Yeah. And I'm stood there. <laughs> the chief exec is one of them. He's not happy. <clears throat> and, I, and one of them just went, did you watch the video? This is right at the start of two days together. And I went, yeah. They went, what did you think? I said, how many of these pictures for money do these people see in the room? And they went two to 300 a year. And I went, well, just to let you know, if I'd seen 300 that year and yours was number 186, I wouldn't remember you if I'd w walked into you in the supermarket. <laughs> well, one of them burst out laughing. The chief exec looked like he wanted to punch me in the face. And I went, it's what I would call worthy but dull. Polish but beige. Mm -hmm. And that's what you get at the very highest level. Other people who are coming through the ranks, they are having to learn the basics. They don't always know how to present. Well, you know, even simple things like this, they don't talk to the camera. So look at the screen instead, all that other kind of stuff. But when you get right to the top, they are used to speaking. But the problem is it's just beige, boring and vanilla. So they sit mm -hmm. there and they have too many slides. And all the stuff we know that is an absolute nightmare too many slides, too much information on each slide, no color, no pictures, all that stuff. So what I say to the guys is you've got to step out and do stuff that's different. For example, the first 60 seconds, you've got to be out of the blocks like a ground with its testicles on fire. <laughs> As I always say, that's that that that's it. <laughs> that's a very common. That's metaphor. illegal. That's illegal. Don't do that. That's, that's not something you do in your garden on lockdown. It's not. Funny. No, don't don't try this at home. <laughs> but you've got to do it, mate. You've got to be there because you've got to get by the throat. I mean, yeah. I was reading something about Gen Z, who are the guys coming through now. They have five screens open at once, and I say to chief execs, I say, "Do you watch your TV while you've got your phone on?" And they go, "Yeah." And I go, that's the problem. The attention span of people is tiny. I say, have you ever dropped something on the floor, like a cup or a glass, and you know it's going to smash? And they go, yeah, maybe once in my life. I say, did you have about four conversations in your own head in the 1.2 seconds it takes to drop? And they go, yeah. And I go, that's how quick people can think. Yeah. Understand that's what the brain can do. You stand up and you go, Aya, my name's Dave. I've, I've done a bit. I've been around a bit. I'm from Halifax. Isn't it nice outside? Wow, what a wonderful venue. Can't believe it. It's an honor to be here today. And you go, you are killing yourself. You're killing your presentation. And yet, over and over and over again, mm -hmm. people follow the same pattern because they are fearful of stepping away from what is the norm, 
even though they know the norm is beige boring and vanilla is, is that something you do to stand out or uh, um, do, do you start uh, always in the same way or do you have different uh, ways to start a presentation you, you start off y- your first three sentences are key they will frame the rest of your talk I say to these chief execs I say have you ever interviewed somebody and you've made the decision about whether you're going to hire them hire them between them walking from the door to the seat to go yeah mm. and I go well understand people make a decision about you that quick those first three or four sentences are absolutely key so I'll give you a quick for instance when I stand up and do a keynote speech I walk on I get introduced I walk on I stand there applause dies down or whatever and I go put your hand up if you like my shirt because I wear these crazy shirts <laughs> and if people are going what what did he just say I thought it was a motivational talk straight away I've got them thinking what's going on Yeah. Right. And I go, okay, thanks very much. You kind and beautiful people. Now put your hand up. If you think I look like an idiot who got dressed in the dark in a fancy dress shop, <laughs> you all put their hands up. I went, that is very rude. You didn't have to put your hands up the second time. And so they have a bit of a laugh and then I turn around and it, you know, it dies away and I go, but I don't care what you think about my shirt because in an hour I'm going to my next gig and I'll never see you again. So why would I care what you think about my shirt? Then they all go, Mm-hmm. So what I do is I have a bit of fun. I take the mickey out myself. I say something a bit challenging. I say something they don't particularly want to hear because they think that every speaker goes on and goes, love me, love me, love me. And I personally mm-hmm. don't give a shit. If the audience don't like me, they don't like me. If they love me, they love me. I don't care, right? I live in a world where 20% of my audience would think I walk on water. 20% wouldn't <laughs> put water on me if I was on fire, right? <laughs> That's my world because I'm yeah, a challenging yeah, yeah. speaker. So the thing is get in there, rifle it up. What a, a guy I worked with the other week, he said to me, um, he said, yeah, I'm going to apply. He said, I do a, a talk to the staff every three months and it's boring. They, they know what's coming. They know what to expect. I'm going to change it. I'm going to give them a more a powerful start. His start is everything. And he, so he stood up in front of his, all his staff, production, accounts, sales management. And he went, I thought she was dead. And those were his opening That was his one opening line. And everybody just went straight away. And what he went on to say was he explained how he had three yeah. kids, took them to the park, came out one day. One of the kids got away from him, walked in front of a car, hit by a car. She survived absolutely fine. She's now gone to university. She's a doctor. Everything's fine. And what he did was he started off with something very powerful that gets mm-hmm. the audience by the throat. Because, yes. you know, we see 100,000 words a day, 100,000 words a day. You know, the, our, the fight for our attention has just gone up and up and up and up and up. And so, you know, when it comes to speaking, it's about getting the retention high quickly and keeping mm-hmm. it there all the way through and making sure that yeah. even if you have to give them boring stats and details, get through it as quick as you can, then get back onto something interesting and make sure you, you know, it's all about structure. Speaking is 99% structure. I could mm-hmm. take any speaker, no matter how bad they are, but give them a great structure with a fantastic start the right points of interest during the talk and a great finish. And people will come off and go, that was, that was great. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't have natural charisma, natural humor. Yeah. It's about structure. So, um, I, I mean, uh, that may, makes me think about uh, something that I do as well on stage uh, when, uh, when I run uh, every event that I do. So you see, you see there behind me for everyone that maybe have seen, you've seen Absolutely. me on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, my, that's the didgeridoo which I play. And I do beatboxing with the didgeridoo. So I start every speaking gig uh, almost in the same way, depending uh, different, if I'm speaking the same 
audiences multiple times, I will play a different instrument or I will switch it up. But because uh, I, I play hand drums and I, I love uh, like weird uh, kind of instruments. Um, and didgeridoo is one of them. The hand drum is another one. And there is always a story which is linked to the message. But people, I remember then when people write their feedback forms or when people meet me, it's like, oh, you are the Italian speaker with the blue suit and the didgeridoo. Yes. And that became a pattern. So I've been, always been the Italian speaker with the blue suit and the didgeridoo. And that became almost like what uh, then event organizer expected from me at every event. And I remember I did this event in Cardiff once. And because I travel on Cardiff, I only brought one of the other instruments I have, which is called the, like um, a Vietnamese harp or Jewish harp. It's a piece of metal that you flick and that sound like wow, 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 wow. That, that's a typical instrument there. And the event organizer was expecting the didgeridoo. But he hasn't communicated that was, uh, hey, uh, can you please bring it? So when he introduced me and he said, Andy is going to do an incredible performance with this didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Andy's not. <laughs> because <laughs> he has a small schminky, not the big didgeridoo right now. So uh, it, it is about standing out from the crowd. It is about starting with an impact. Uh, the other question I would love to ask you is, uh, what is that you do? Because you said that it is about structure and it is about standing out and it is about capturing their attention all the time. I've seen speakers that are great at the beginning, or uh, I was like that. I was great at the beginning, doing the show with the didgeridoo, and then there was like a decline. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. what do you do in your presentation to keep that level of engagement after 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 minutes? Well, it, it, there's two things you can do. First of all, just if you're going to do something like did you do, but have those points of interest all the way through. It's called a von Restorff effect. When you are presented with multiple homogenous stimuli, it's the ones that stand out from the rest that people remember. And what that means is when you're presented with boring crap, it's the bits that stand out. So what you need to do is stand out. So you stand out with an extraordinary piece of information, like I just said. Do you realize yesterday, $208 million? And you go, in a day? And you go, wow, that's amazing. So what you do is throw in an extraordinary fact, tell an amazing testimonial, come in with a, a great story from your background, mm -hmm. do something, mm -hmm. you know, um, do something extraordinary from the stage, do something that's interactive that gets people up on stage, whatever it is. So yeah, you have the, the boring stuff in between, but make sure you have as many of these spike points as you can. So then instead, so then it doesn't drop as far in between. If you have all the fun stuff at one point, then it all dies away. The other thing I do as well is I, I say to the guys, if you're sp speaking for 20 minutes, it's not a 20 minute speech. It's a 60 second start. It's a two minute finish, maybe three minute finish. Mm -hmm. So that's four minutes out of the 20 gone. So you've got 16 minutes left. What you do is you get eight two minute speeches in between. Mm -hmm. And what it stops people doing is waffling. So they sit there and they go, oh, well, I've got 20 minutes or 16 minutes left. I'll just waffle. So they waffle, 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 waffle. And of course, what they do then is they run out of time. So then they continue <laughs> yeah. at the end. So they speed up a little bit at the and end. And then they speed up. Whereas if I say to them, just practice, yeah. practice doing two minutes lots, two minutes speak speeches. Not only that, but if somebody comes up and says, you've got to lose some time, you just lose two of the two minutes. Instead of sitting there and go, I can't speak any less because I practice. But if you force yourself to go, right, in two minutes, I'm going to make a point. I'm going to emphasize it with a story or a metaphor or an example. 
and I'm going to make sure it's no matter how big the point is, no matter how exciting it is, no, how amazing it is, no more than two minutes. And then you're just right, moving on. And what you do is you're maintaining the attention of the audience. It never fails to amaze me how much. I was talking to a guy yesterday. He's doing a pitch soon for investment, and he's in clean energy. And what he does is he's going to be digitizing car rental around the world. Mm. An amazing concept. And he just gets great, really, really passionate about the fact he can smell the diesel fumes in the air and how it affects him. And he just said, this is what I, this is what I want to say. And I turned around and I said, I don't care about that at all. Mm. I care that, you know, we have a nicer planet. I care about the environment to a degree, but just not enough. So his passion was up here at a 10. Mine is maybe a three or a four. Mm-hmm. And I'll put my hand on my heart and just put my hands in the air and go, that's me. Bring in the legislation that forces me to get rid of my car and I'll get rid of it in a heartbeat. So what happened with recycling? I'll happily recycle, but I didn't do it till I was forced to. Just bring in the legislation, guys, and I'll do it. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't mean enough to me. Other things move me more. That's just who I am. So the thing is, you can't stand up there and, and go on for 10 minutes in a pitch about saving the planet if, if the audience don't care. Mm-hmm. So only make it two minute slots, no matter what it is, how big it is, how important it is to you, how much you believe in it, how much it's a part of who you are, make it two, three minute slots, and move on, get to the next bit and keep people interested by moving it along. And creating different pieces to stand out uh, within these two minutes. So then you keep the engagement level high. That, that's, that's gold. That's gold. So everyone who is listening right now, you're doing your presentation, whether it's online, because right now that's probably the only presentations you're doing, or maybe you're listening to this when the, the real world has opened up again, and then you're doing live presentation in front of real people and not of a screen, then uh, make sure you put this point in place. Now, uh, we're going to, to wrap up the interview and we are in the final piece called Lifting the Veil. Now, David, I'm not going to ask you to take off your shirt, even if you have a very attractive body in this. Uh, in this. Uh, for those of you that haven't seen David before, he does bodybuilding competition. I mean, yeah, the uh, body transformation. I've seen some of your before and after. <laughs> man. I'm like, that, that, that's another person. I mean, there, there were about three of you in the before. Uh, and, uh, and, and now you're like super muscle man. Uh, I, I'm a bit really, really scared to get into a fight with you right now. So that's why I'm happy we are doing this remotely as well. Maybe uh, say something, say something upsets you. <laughs> Got a bicep that is as big as my head. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, as I said, this is not the moment to take your shirt off, but it is uh, the moment to share uh, with us uh, maybe a tool or a book or an app that uh, makes the difference for you, something that you found that uh, is worth sharing. What's that for you? Well, there there have only ever been two books that have changed my life completely. One was the memory book that I bought 25 years ago, and all of a sudden I could do stuff with memory memory that I never thought was possible. Mm -hmm. But the book that changed my life on on actually a much wider scale was The Chimp Paradox by Professor Steve Peters. Mm. And the concept is very simple. We have a logical brain and an emotional brain, and the logical brain is overtaken by the emotional brain. And we've seen that, a great example at the moment, panic buying. Whatever, it, whatever logical part, however much you're trying to logic out to people that logically explain that there's not, we're not going to run out of toilet rolls and paracetamols <laughs> and food, the fact is people have gone out panicked by it. And it's a great example yeah. of how the, lo- the emotional part of the brain, the irrational part of the brain overtakes. And that's why we do the things we know we shouldn't and don't do the things we know we should. 
I have an addictive personality. It works for me in terms of driving myself forward. I am massively driven. Doing the, doing the you know, Guinness records, world records, US memory champion, all that other stuff in memory was a piece of cake. Six hours a day, I didn't care because I've got that addictiveness. The mm. problem is it's hurt me. So in my teenage years, I, was a, I had an issue with drugs. In my 20s, it was alcohol. In the 30s, it was food. I ended up, ended up being, as you know, 125 kilos, 280-odd mm. pounds, 20-odd stone. And, you know, and also a, a, a serious issue with sex addiction. And the book taught me why I did it. Mm-hmm. And it changed my life in a day. So overnight, I went on a diet, as you know, I lost five stone in five months, which is like 35 kilos. Mm-hmm. I got myself a great relationship. I waited until I got the right person. Now I live with my soulmate. I, you know, manage my addictive personality a lot better than I ever have yeah. in the past. And I live a much, much better life for it. And the chimp paradox showed me why. And it's great when I'm talking to chief execs about speaking, because when they come to me and they go, number one human problem, uh, number one problem in speaking still is fear, anxiety, nerves, or confidence. One of those three things, even chief execs, they sit there and they're panicking. And I say, it's just irrational thought, the irrational part of your brain. We talk about the chimp, how to manage it, how to overcome and then they become more successful. That's the one book that changed my life more than any other because otherwise I'd have just carried on overeating, overdrinking, doing crazy stuff. I'd have been dead at 60. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing and thank you for being so open. So the chimp paradox, uh, make sure that you get it. The um, resources are in the show notes. So if you scroll down right now, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, there is going to be the link of the book, The Chimp Paradox. And I got to say, we are... um, by listening to this interview with you because it's the very first time we actually have been we've been knowing each other through social media for a while but it's the very first time that we actually have a chance to pro- have a proper conversation um we're very similar in, in that way um like i had a big addict i have a big addictive personality that's why i'm so driven for success and can get a lot done but uh, one of the things that I went through was uh, massive emotional eating. I went through anorexia, bulimia, overeating. And I got out of it uh, because of Overeaters Anonymous, which is the alcoholic anonymous version for overeaters. Mm. And uh, that was actually the thing that started me in having my first media appearances because I was talking about uh, in the fact that within men, in, 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 in the male culture, this, you don't talk about eating addiction. You can talk about drug addiction. You see um, alcohol addiction. But the eating addiction is more socially accepted in the female culture, not in the male one. So it is a topic that is very dear to me. That's why I wanted to, to make it a point because I know how tough that has been for me, for my life, in particular, having a life that was ruled by food and how difficult it has been to change it. So I will... For this, I, I, I want to I, I, like, I congratulate with you for overcoming those addictions because it's not easy. It's not easy. No. Um, my dad had alcohol addictions and um, that r- created a split in our family. And I'm very open about these things. And uh, it is um, uh, part of, uh, uh, of the big why that I do what I do. 
um, in the in the speaking world, in uh, working with young people that can get it with addiction and helping them out get getting out of it. So thank you for sharing and uh, being the voice for it because we need more people talking about it, <laughs> and particular more people that have come to the other side <laughs> that that can talk about it. So thank you, thank you for for what you've done and for being the voice for it. Uh, David, it's been a pleasure having you uh, in this interview and uh, thank you for your time. If someone wants to reach out to you, if someone wants to work with you, uh, if someone wants to come and see you at one of your bodybuilding competitions, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> what, is, uh, what is the best way to reach out to you? Well, my email address is david at themotivationspeaker.com. Drop me a line. Um, I get a lot of emails. And people reach out and we have conversations about all kinds of things. It's not just about work. Sometimes it's about other things. And, but please just go and find me on Facebook. You'll see me, David Thomas, on there. Look under Oprah. You know, if you go onto Google and you find putting David Thomas and Oprah memory guy, you come up with a ton of videos. Just flick, flick around social media. Find me straight away. I'm on LinkedIn. Very heavy presence on social media. I post at least every day. And lots of videos. And so you get to know me a little bit better, make a friend, anything you need, give me a shout. All right, perfect. So the email address uh, is uh, going to be in the show notes uh, and all the links uh, uh, of David's social media. So you scroll down, right, do it right now, connect with David, uh, follow him on different social media platform, contact him if you want to become a better speaker, if you are a leader that want to increase your presentation skills, uh, make sure you, cont- you contact him. David, thank you very much for uh, this uh, interview. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching or listening. Um, please leave us a review on iTunes or other podcasting platforms. If you enjoyed this show, then this is the best way to, you can support us. The more reviews we get, the more listeners, and then the more we can expand it. So if you enjoy this, then uh, leave us a review. It will support the show massively. Until next time, have a fantastic day. And always remember that together we grow exponentially. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Explode Your Expert Business Show. If you enjoyed the interview, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every week we will select a winner from the reviews that we get. So it might be you. Make sure you give us a review. It means the world to us and that's how you can help us grow the show. Also remember to download the Expert Business Checklist to get the roadmap on how to become an authority in your field. The link is in the show notes or you can visit gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. So it's gtex.events forward slash expert iPhone checklist. And as well, finally, if you want to receive daily support in your coaching and speaking business or explore how we can work together, join our private Facebook group, Explode Your Expert Biz. Again, you can find it on Facebook at Explode Your Expert Biz or the link is in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, remember that together we grow exponentially.